Welcome to Healing with the Masters. We are so delighted that you've chosen to hang out with us for this all-time favorite series of speakers, inspirational wisdom, powerful affirmations, invocations, activations, prayer, and healing. This represents the all-time favorites of Healing with the Masters. It represents 10 seasons of transformation. We've chosen the most popular shows of these 10 seasons and are offering them here for you to experience your transformation, to ignite your light, and to show you a framework of possibility for moving into a new way of being in your life, modeling that for others in your life, and changing the whole planet. Enjoy this powerful series. Now, if you're interested in joining us live, then just go to hwtmpodcast.com. That stands for Healing with the Masters, hwtmpodcast.com. Again, that's hwtmpodcast.com. Register there for the current season. And did I mention it's free? Join us absolutely free. You just have to register. But for now, enjoy these all-time favorite shows. They represent the most popular shows of the last 10 seasons chosen by our audience because they created the most amount of transformation. They created the most amount of buzz, insights, and miracles of possibility. These are just as powerful as the day they were recorded. The vibration and energies are still present and available for you. And if you're listening to them, it's because you're ready right now. Know that you helped to create this content. Your desires and intentions have brought this very broadcast here before you. So listen, engage, and enjoy. And again, if you'd like to join us in our live season, remember to go to hwtmpodcast.com. You just have to register. Join us, experience the light, absolutely free. Now enjoy this show. Welcome everyone to Healing with the Masters, and I am so excited to welcome a very, very, very special guest to our celebrity version of Healing with the Masters. Uh, Vanessa Williams is one of the most respected and multifaceted performers in entertainment today. She has conquered the musical charts, Broadway, music videos, television, and motion pictures. She has sold millions of albums worldwide and has achieved critical acclaim as an actress on stage, film, and on television. Her albums, The Right Stuff, The Comfort Zone, The Sweetest Days, earned multiple Grammy nominations and have yielded such classics as the Save the Best for Last, Dreamin', Work to Do, and Love Is, and the Academy Award-winning single, Colors of the Wind, from Disney's Pocahontas. In 1994, Vanessa took Broadway by storm when she replaced Cheetah Rivera in Kiss of the Spider Woman, winning the hearts of critics and becoming a box office sensation. She garnered rave reviews and was nominated for a Tony Award for her lead role in the 2002 revival of Into the Woods. She also headlined a limited special engagement of the classic Carmen Jones at the Kennedy Center 
and starred in Encore series stage productions of St. Louis Woman. Her most recent Broadway appearance included Sondheim on Sondheim and a celebrating lyricist and composer Stephen Sondheim, and she just wrapped her role as Jessie Mae Watts in Horton Foote's A Trip to Bountiful, and I think that you're going to be going into filming uh, for Life, the Life Channel, aren't you? Lifetime Channel. We, uh, we start filming uh, in two weeks. Oh, wow. That's exciting. Um, heard wonderful, wonderful things about that. Vanessa made her film debut in 1986 in Under the Gun and appeared in the film's pickup artist, Another You, Harley Davidson, and the Marlboro Man. The box office hit Soul Food, Dance With Me, Light Up, and Johnson Family Vacation. She also starred opposite Arnold Schwarzenegger in Erasure, opposite Lawrence Fishburne and Andy Garcia in Hoodlum, and opposite Samuel L. Jackson in Shift. She most recently starred in the independent feature My Brother and Then Came Love, also known as Somebody Like You. Vanessa has won or been nominated for a great number of individual and ensemble awards, including the Emmy, the SAG Award, the Golden Globe, People's Choice, the NAACP Image Award for starring roles on a number of hit television series, including 666 Park Avenue, Desperate Housewives, and Ugly Betty. She's also starred in television movies and miniseries. Um, her latest endeavor really powerful thing that she's done recently is she teamed up with her mother Helen to co-author You Have No Idea and I say that with the gumption that 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 book has it's a very beautiful motivational book for women that takes readers inside her personal and professional life journey including the obstacles they've overcome together and the lessons they've learned along the way we are so oh, oh and of course she got, in 2007, she got on the Hall of Fame, the, uh, the Hollywood Walk of Fame, mm -hmm. for all her beautiful accomplishments as a performer. And um, she's also really involved in many charities, including the Special Olympics. Welcome, Vanessa Williams, to Healing with the Masters. It's a real honor and privilege to talk with you today. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm surprised that I have such a long intro, but, uh, <laughs> but I'm <actually> thrilled. <laughs> yeah, that, that intro is, is relevant because um, so much of that, we get to experience your life through this beautiful book that you wrote with your mother, and it's such an unusual format. And I would, I would even hasten to say a little brave, <laughs> that you would write a book with your mother. You would share things that you, some things she didn't even know about, um, and then you had her write her insights on the similar incidences that were happening uh, from her perspective. It is the most remarkable um, model I've ever seen of writing a book and um, what was it that gave you the idea to first of all put this book together and what what was the heart call that brought forth this book for you? Uh, the format of the mother-daughter um, point-counterpoint uh, uh, idea was uh, it came to me when I was having lunch with a college friend who works for a, um, uh, a literary agent and she was I was talking about how I had been offered a couple of opportunities to write my own memoirs. First, I thought it was too early. Uh, second, I didn't want to do a tell-all because I have four kids and um, I'm conscious about their their dads and their their lives. And um, Linda had brought up the idea about writing a book with my mother since she was such a dynamic character in my life and always had something to say. And I thought it was a refreshing approach to um, a story that I could tell uh, and also have her recounts of what she remembered, but also what I didn't know what was going on behind, um, you know, behind my back while I was living my life and what she had to deal with at home. Right. And I think it's um, a unique approach. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, and uh, 
uh, was it somewhat shocking for your mom sometimes to read some of the things that happened? I mean, the abortion, for example, she didn't know until she read the book. Um, well, I think she is, I, there are certainly things that uh, have come up since we've written it and been on the, the book tour uh, that she suspected. Yeah. But you know, reading it in black and white is just affirmation. And, uh, and her comments, what were they like for you to read her comments? I mean, some of them are like very pointed. Oh, <laughs> well, I grew up with that. Yeah, that, that's, that's true. That, <laughs> that's exactly why I wanted to write the book. Uh, not only to allow people to hear her side of the story or what she was going through, but also realize that who I was brought up by. Um, you know, I thank God that I had my father to balance me. Yes. But mother's a very strong woman, and um, she definitely allowed me to use her in a lot of characters that I do use on television and film uh, <laughs> because I know how to play them uh, very easily. Uh, but, um, you know, it also was an opportunity for you know, women, especially a lot of my friends who have dealt with growing up with strong women, to to, to realize that we've got a, a kindred spirit and we know what it's like. Yeah, uh, the Wilhelmina look. <laughs> yeah. That's certainly, that's certainly Helen Williams uh, was the one who I was uh, uh, giving all the all my my props to because she was legendary as a as a teacher, let alone as a mother, but as a teacher for being able to stare you down uh, when she was suspicious or <laughs> she didn't approve. And, um, you know, she's only five feet. So she's, uh, I guess, had to use all her other strengths to command a room and a command attention. Well, she, I, I love the, the um, she told, tells a story of that you're going to run away. You decided to run away from home. And your mom said, that's just fine. Just don't cross the street. <laughs> <laughs> and you know it gave it gave you um she gave you a lot of capacity i think your both your parents did to to make mistakes to um figure things out and um and i think you give some really nice advice that likely comes from a strong mother and a and a a, a beautiful father who who um who went into the other side of things that looked like he read like thousands and thousands of psychology books and and really wanted to get inside your head to assist you in um, in figuring things out, so to speak. And mm -hmm. the combination of the two um, kind of gave you this perspective and advice, which is if there's something that would make your parents proud, then do it. And if it's something that's not going to make your parents proud, don't do it. <laughs> it's it's a it's a nice marker. Um, uh, and it's you know it's uh, what I love is many of the things in your book are. are it's very simple. It, it's simple advice, not necessarily easy, but simple. Mm -hmm. uh, things that you can follow every day, like that. Uh, so when, uh, I mean, let, let's talk about. You know, you start the book with a bang. You start the book with the um, the scandal, and um, it's interesting because many people say that PR is good. No PR is bad PR, uh, but this this was devastating, uh, and and it was. Um, way more intense than I think any of us who were on the outside witnessing it realized. Um, it was um, definitely life-changing, but you say in the book that if you had to do it over again, you wouldn't. So, uh, you know, tell me a little bit about um, how you think that shaped you, it shaped your family, um, it certainly shaped your career, and, you know, some thoughts about, for our listeners who are, might, might be going through crisis right now, what kind of advice would you give them around around crisis that that was huge but 
Well, the whole methodology to starting out with the scandals, because that's what I was known most famous for. Yep. And I didn't want people to skip three quarters of the book to get to a chapter and not <laughs> right. read it at all. Right. So I think by hooking the readers and letting them kind of remember where they were when it all happened and when it all went down, and then telling my story helped create the moment. And I think it's... it's yeah, you addressed it, you addressed it bang on. Right, yeah. right from the, yeah, I like that. Mm -hmm. I like that. Uh, and also, it reminds you that, you know, it, it was 1984. I was, I look back and I, at 21 years old, it was extraordinary what I made it through. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you're going through it, you don't realize, you know, how, how, in the grand scheme of things, how, you know, how overwhelming it was. But then I look back and say, wow, I made it through at 21 years old. And I look at my kids who are, you know, my, my kids are now 26, 24, 20, and 13. Right. And, um, you know, I think that they would have the resilience to be that strong as well. But it's amazing how it was tested on me so young to become famous at 20 and to have to deal with a, a huge worldwide scandal at 21 was pretty amazing. But it allowed me to, I guess, find myself. I had to tap into the strength that I always had, tap into the support of my parents and family and neighborhood and community that um, I always had. And um, and it set a path for me to, to fight. It was not easy. Right, right. Um, uh, not easy is an understatement of the century. Uh, and, you know, the um, you, you quote, Il, Il, uh, I'm going to get her name wrong, Yanla uh, Van Sant. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. you, you know, I, I think it's um, it's a beautiful uh, perspective, which is life is not just a series of peaks and mountains and mountaintop experiences, but often there's difficult journeys through the dark valleys. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, you experienced it to the extreme, um, and yet it, it, it really uh, shaped you, it shaped your family, it, it allowed you to, um, y you know, it did give you notoriety. <laughs> not necessarily fame, but notoriety that you then took and used. It's like you used it to um, move into more power. The level of poise that you experienced and illustrated through that time frame is remarkable. I mean, I was I was watching some old videos of you, you know, when you were 21, 22, going through that, and it was really um, something to witness. Um, how this moment shaped you and gave you such powerful strength. So uh, how, how do you think you were able to maintain that strength through that and then the pitfalls that came years afterwards, even decades afterwards? Well, I think the most important thing for me was, uh, even though it was an incredible uh, uh, wound to my... Um, ego and reputation and and legacy up into that point um, I knew it didn't take away who I was which was a talented young person who had aspirations mm -hmm. what the problem was that um, I had to convince uh, people that I needed to be hired by that I had the talent right and that's where that's where the struggle really came in because talking about uh, being judged, uh, you know, uh, you know, you, you can't judge a book by its cover. Everyone uh, completely made snap judgments yeah. about me for years. Yeah. And um, I also had to embrace the, the fact that once I would get roles, once I would get hired, um, I would hear, oh, I didn't know she could do that. Oh, I didn't know she could do that. Oh, I didn't know she could. And it was, so the talent was 
unexpected. Um, and I began to kind of use that as, um, you know, that, that would have probably been the second title of my book. Oh, I didn't know she could do that because every time I was hired, uh, I, I was, you know, being, I guess, not underachieving, but, um, um, you know, it, it would it would be assumed that I would be, you know, a B player, not yeah. knowing yeah. really what I was doing. And then they realized that I had the goods, but it would just be a matter of time where I'd get a chance to shine. After kissing the Spider Woman, you said, being underrated is almost a secret weapon. No one expects much of me. And, and you over-delivered every time. That kiss of the Spider Woman was a big triumph for you because um, you, from the, the, the uh, Miss America pageant, um, was just something that th fell in your lap. You were on your way to Broadway right from the start. So tell tell me about that experience of of, uh, of finally getting to Broadway and then killing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, growing up outside New York, my parents always took me into my mother's big avid theater goer. So I'd always, I would always be brought in and see what the latest show is. We'd sit up in the mezzanine and... Um, so I knew that that was a tangible goal for me. If I worked hard enough and had the right audition, I could that could be my living. So um, this, you know, being Miss America was a, an incredible detour. But you know, ten years later, it got me to the point where I had my, all my dreams had come true because all the people that I had taken dance class and voice class and acting class and scene study and you know uh, uh, set building, all these people that had the same dream as mine. Um, I got a chance to embody that night uh, on Broadway uh, to spectacular reviews and to do a role that I knew that, um, you know, I could really um, nail. <laughs> and that's what happened. So is Broadway was, uh, and you continue to um, hang out on Broadway um, with great acclaim. Um, is it, is it, you know, when you achieve your dream, what, what's, what's that like when you kind of get there? I mean, you came, uh, there was a securities route <laughs> that got you there. <laughs> so what was that like? Well, it's almost like coming back home because mm. I, I came from a great, uh, uh, our, our public high school here um, had a, a theater department. So I took acting classes from, you know, freshman to, to senior year, was involved in the plays and the musicals, and we had a spring finale and the senior musicals and then summer theater. So going back to what I knew I could do well was very comforting for me. Mm -hmm. Recording was different for me. Doing television and film, those were all different formats and mediums that I had not had a lot of experience in, mm -hmm. but theater uh, and being on stage was very important and very easy for me. So out of, out of the, all the amazing things you've, I mean, you um, accomplished singer and pop star um, and a, uh, a, a Broadway actor, actress, singer, singer dancer, and um, movie star. Um, is there a favorite? Mm, you know, I, I just got off doing a, a fantastic run on Broadway with Cicely Tyson. Yeah. Um, there's nothing like, you know, half hour curtain. You you hear the the stage manager call half hour. You're getting your your mic on. You're you're getting in your makeup and your your costume. You're standing in the wings and you you you're set and you go, and then you've got an audience to laugh and cry and leap to their feet mm. immediately. Mm. Um, yes, it's a grind, but it's also an opportunity as an artist to make it different every night mm -hmm. and to try different things and experiment, and it keeps you creative. 
-hmm. and it keeps it keeps me alive. Mm -hmm. uh, I certainly find similar things when I'm playing a wonderful character in a great TV show, a movie, uh, when you can, you know, make people crack up behind the, 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 the screen because you've, you know, you've done something that was unexpected. Uh, when you, you know, you make people tear up because you've done something so intimate and real that uh, it, it gets people all emotional. Um, those are the same kind of feelings. I mean, being in the recording studio and doing a take and saying, I captured it. Um, but I think it's all, it's all related. Mm -hmm. You know, when I go behind the mic as a recording artist, I think, okay, who am I, who am I thinking about? Who is the person that I am singing in this particular moment? And what do I want to convey? Which is the same thing that you would do as an actress. Uh, you know, what is this scene about? And what is my purpose? And, and um, what am I going to try to hit? in these scenes and then working with the ensemble that you're given. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a, a work ethic that you were given um, through your family um, that, that it, it, and, and it's not just a work ethic, but it's, um, it's a way of being. You, uh, you say, we move on. We don't obsess. We don't cry in our rooms for days. We figure out what's next and we survive. Um, and I think that's, um, uh, it's a wonderful lesson for the, for our viewers. I mean, this is healing with the masters, right? So we're, we're <laughs> sharing, um, what I call the, the, uh, um, I would consider you an everyday master, um, in that, uh, you, um, you know, you do follow and read books on, on getting better. Your dad read a lot of books on getting better, but you kind of live it. You know, mm -hmm. there's a lot of people in this world who have to go to thousands of workshops to figure this stuff out. And mm -hmm. here we are talking to someone who just simply lived it. Um, mm -hmm. So if you were going to... also, I want to make please. sure that people realize that it's okay to feel. Yes. No, you know, it's okay to cry. And yeah. I think that it's really important to go through the process. So when you're in that uh, dark place, mm -hmm. you know, uh, that it's important to listen to sad music, tap into the despair, the 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 you know the 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 loss of the dream yep. um the the um you know the finality of something being gone forever tap into that so you can move through it and get to the light on the other side as opposed to denying it and blocking it yes. off i certainly don't want people to think that forget it and move on and <laughs> open up another door you have right. to feel it i think it's very healthy to be able to feel the emotions that you're experiencing and, and then you can you feel much better on the other side whether it's writing every day whether it's singing whether it's uh, escaping uh, physically or or mentally or creatively do something that's gonna help propel uh, propel you forward but also work through the feelings that, that I think that is just brilliant and, and thank you so much for pausing me on that and really sharing that because um, we talk about this a lot that our, our, our sensation our teaching here often is that um, when you feel, when you feel it fully, you're present with it. When you're present with it, there's actually freedom at the end of that tunnel of, of deep emotional upset. Mm -hmm. um, and so thank you so much. And let's talk a little bit about journaling. Um, you, you talk, uh, tell me about your experience with journaling, because I know that that's one of the ways that you play with the feelings and feeling them. So um, share maybe um, with the with a intention of sharing with people how they might do it. Um, well, I mean, I've, I also, uh, I mean, speaking of workshops, I do uh, have gone to workshops and have a lot of people that I tap into in, in terms Wonderful. of their guidance. Uh, um, and a lot has to do with journaling, whether it's morning notes, morning pages, 
whether it's evening notes and um, they don't have to make sense. Um, uh, having a, you know, back in the day before we had these phones that did everything, yeah. I used to have my Filofax and I would have my pad, my paper, my pad, and my, my, um, my, my pen. And if I was on the plane or feeling particularly uh, emotional, I would just write where I am and what I'm feeling and mm -hmm. what's going on and what I wish would happen. Uh, I also am a, a list writer. These are things that I want a perfect house. And I wrote all these things down and I had my list in my, my, my pocketbook for probably a year and a half to two years. And the house that I ended up getting was, ex I ticked off all the boxes that I had had kept with me um, for the past couple of years. So um, I think it's great to just get it out. And I also encourage my kids, since we're so used to keyboards, to get a pad and, and a pencil and write to feel that physical connection between your mind and actually writing it out on the page, I think is restorative, but also really important. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you say um, that it's your way to check in on your emotions. Um, it helps with grieving. It helps with forgiving. Um, and sometimes when she writes down, when you write down your thoughts, I can feel the stress, the anger, the resentment leave my body and settle on the pages where they mm -hmm. stay, um, mm -hmm. that and uh, you're uh, um, that's, that was beautiful, <laughs> mm -hmm. and it really resonated with me. You know, it's like um, I forget sometimes to journal, and I know a lot of my audience forgets that um, that that moment of picking up a pen and and mm -hmm. connecting the pen to paper um, is mm -hmm. a an, a really good visceral act, and sometimes a real act of healing. Um, mm -hmm. So let's talk about about your your dad and you know I I um, oh man that was difficult to read um, uh, about your dad's passing um, I recently lost my sister Ugh, mm -hmm. darn it. <laughs> and um, that um, uh, again y you were able to in a matter of fact yet very graceful and uh, honoring way talk about your dad leaving so um, you know. When we face great loss, um, there's a, a, a capacity, I think, that, that is built within us that is certainly something of strength. You know, we, we have this theory sometimes we talk about on Healing with the Masters that life happens for us, not to us. And I was just wondering wh what you kind of feel about that, that notion that, that, that life somehow supports us in the, in the crazy adventures that we have and the grief that we feel and, and the, the way that we're cracked open. Mm -hmm. I think the, the best place that I had to deal with grief is gratitude, which is the flip side. Uh, mm -hmm. um, yes. Because I was so, the more I knew I was affected and our family was affected by my father's death, but the more I saw the reaction <laughs> of people that I didn't even know that my dad had touched lives, yeah. saying, I remember the walks that he used to take. Yeah. I remember the after-dinner conversations that we had when we were in a dinner party. I remember your dad when he taught my son saxophone lessons. <laughs> I remember your dad as a, as a, a scout leader. And they're, and they're being touched by my, my dad's life and, and his conversations, his mannerisms, his big hugs, that kept my heart growing and growing, saying, mm. wow, they're affected by my dad, mm. but he's my dad. <laughs> I had a chance to be created by him and know that that was my dad. And it allowed my grief to be turned into 
pride. Mm. Um, not, not that I wasn't prideful before sure. or pride, proud before, but um, it really allowed me to, to see the effect of one man's life, um, how he chose to live, and being lucky enough to be for him to be, you know, uh, spawned by him, <laughs> and uh, and, uh, and and that helped with the grieving process. Um, and again, you know, it happened so quickly. Within four days, he yeah, fell, he was dropped to his knees with uh, stomach pain on Friday. He was gone Tuesday morning. Yeah. So for all that to be uh, that panic and and decision making to happen within a, a you know a, a long holiday weekend, and to to turn so quickly. Um, it was shocking and, and devastating, but the flip side was to see how many people were affected by his life and his, you know, his, his, he was tr a true teacher and that's what he did up until the end. He, you know, he retired, but he still taught children at my, my parents' house after school. Uh, he couldn't stop. And if he came <laughs> over for a meal, uh, and the kids wanted to do something, my dad would say, well, this is how we do it, and let's look it up and see how it's done. <laughs> I mean, he had how-to books all over the place, but could always figure things out, whether yes. it's taking an engine apart and putting it together, whether it's, you know, putting on a cedar roof, he'd figure it out and do the research and, and wasn't afraid to try anything. Yeah. And uh, I'm happy that I have that same type of framework in, in terms of approaching things that I've never done. And I hope to pass that along to my kids. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, I love this idea, um, Vanessa, of uh, of grief to gratitude. That is a beautiful, beautiful concept that I'm I'm embracing right in this moment. You know, my my sister was uh, uh, the same thing happened. She was there, and then she was gone. She had some. We don't honestly know exactly what happened. She either fell and had a stroke, or stroke and had uh, had a stroke and fell. And you know, she was there the the night before she passed. I talked to her, and then the next day she was gone. And um, and as you're speaking this right now, um, you know, mine, mine just happened in June. But mm -hmm. as you're speaking about it, you know, the, that's exactly what I've been experiencing. And now I get, I get to bring some conscious awareness to this. This mm -hmm. notion of, of um, she touched so many people. There are, you know, 350 people came to her funeral. Mm -hmm. um, people from the, the train that she went in to work with every day. I mean, she touched so many. She was... I mean, talk about who's the spiritual master in the family, and <laughs> she was. I read all the books. She actually <laughs> lived it. <laughs> um, but this notion of grief to gratitude is really, really powerful. Um, it's so funny because I've been doing these celebrities. This is the first time we've done Celebrity Healing with the Masters, and um, without exception, everyone I've talked to has given me a little piece, that, or, or, and some big pieces that are just really profound and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take that one grief to gratitude thank you so much for that so I want to talk a little bit about your dad since we're on the topic um, talk about uh, he's he gave his you gave his perspective on raising kids um, just let kids kids explore let them figure things out on their own let them test their limits and don't give them fear and I've never heard anyone talk about parenting in that way well, you also had my mom on the flip side say, don't be afraid of that, stay away from that. You know? <laughs> so you had someone pushing back saying, be careful, watch out, you're going to hurt yourself. Right. And he's saying, let him, let him do it, let him have an opportunity. Yeah. So thank God I had the balance. Yes, uh, yes. Because uh, um, I think, again, that's how you learn. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, you know, sometimes kids do touch a, 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 a hot stove and, you know, I've been to the emergency room uh you know many times with many injuries <laughs> but that's another rite of passage as 
as a as a as a child, as a, you know, as adult. That's how it goes. You, you know, and um, I'm watching um, you know some other you, uh, young celebrities out there now. Um, you know, and I know that you worked with Miley Cyrus um, mm -hmm. on a, on her film, and you know. She's about the same age you were when you went through what happened with with, uh, and yet she's she's handling things in a different way. And I'm just uh, not that you need to comment on anything that she's doing, but I'm just curious if you had advice for her at this stage and and what she's exploring because she's definitely exploring her you know she's right. exploring her wild oats so to speak. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> well, the 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 other unfortunate thing for a child celebrity is they have no opportunity to make mistakes on a low mm. scale. Mm. Oh, okay. You know, they're on the radar since they are become kid, uh, become, you know, mo uh, TV stars. So yeah. from Hannah Montana on, anything she does, she, the whole world comments on, and that's all the pressure. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you think how hard it was for our adolescents, and we were just dealing with people that were our friends in high school or <laughs> middle right. school and our that's family right. and maybe a couple of the people in the community, but that's all... That's all that anyone knew what was going on, whether it was somebody that was being mean or bullying or some, you know, someone was drinking or something. Right. You know, we could manage those things on a small level. These young kids have, have, aren't able to make mistakes and do stupid things without the whole world commenting on them. And it's unfortunate. Yeah. So, um, but I also think that she's 20 and mm -hmm. her brain is not fully mature, just like my brain wasn't <laughs> and everybody else's who they were 20. We're not fully mature until, you know, they're, you know, 25 or so. Mm -hmm. So they, you can't reason with a child because they're children and their their bodies are still developing. Mm -hmm. So what you say, if something was impulsive, they can't help themselves. That's part <laughs> of their makeup at that point. Right. So, um, and you have to kind of realize that and and have some kind of compassion, but pray that they make it through, don't harm themselves or anyone else, and try to steer them as as well as you possibly can. Uh, yeah. So uh, so they they had the same experience in a way. And you know, there's something I've been thinking about as I was reading your book. Um, you you were molested when you were ten by a family friend, an 18 year old woman who um, uh, uh, really took advantage of you when you were just 10 years old. And and I've often wondered, you know. Sometimes I think those moments in our life can desensitize us to um, making in different choices. So I'm curious if, if you think that may have had an impact at all on, on anything that happened. Oh, I for sure think that uh, being uh, sexually abused at, a, at an early age certainly opens up a whole myriad of senses that you never even tapped into, right. let alone knew were happening. So. Uh, if you want to say it made me more promiscuous or daring or um, intrigued by sex, I, I would say that just because, you know, that region of the body is not supposed to be uh, awoken at that particular time in your life. Mm -hmm. And uh, so when it is, you don't understand it. You know that it's not supposed to happen. Um, and so there's shame. There's curiosity. There's a lot of things wrapped up, uh, and the the frightening thing is, since I've written the book, so many people have come up to me <laughs> and have had similar experiences, which if, if boggles the mind because you think, oh my God, I've been living with this for my life, but so many other people have been as well. Yeah. So it's just, it's unfortunate, but it also doesn't define who you are. Right. And right. doesn't, uh, you know, it's not going to... Uh, 
yeah, yes, it's something to deal with and to work through, but it's not uh, a sentence to, uh, you know, change your profession or okay. um, it means that you're damaged goods, right. you know, right. for the rest of your life. And that's where the psychology and the self-esteem have to, to kick in. Yeah, uh, let, let's talk about self-esteem. Um, you know, what, what to, do you think is the formula for having uh, good self-esteem? I, I heard you interviewed that um, to, to know that you are worth something and of value is, is really a profound, profoundly important part of being. So share a little bit about, and if you have any ideas of how people might find more self-esteem. <laughs> um, well, I think doing what you love and doing it well certainly oh, helps. Beautiful. Because that's, um, you know, you can always tap into what brings you joy and that makes you happy. Uh, and I see it in my, my four children. Um, for instance, I was watching a, a movie and I know one of my daughters is a very good actress but never really pursued it, doesn't want the spotlight, wants to stay under the radar due to being a, a daughter of a, a celebrity. And I've, I've seen her work and I said, but you know, you can go to acting class and you've, you're, you're, you've got the talent. And I said, when you watch a movie, um, don't you think that you can nail that scene? And she said, well, when I watch a movie, I look at, look at what they're wearing. And I say, wow, I'd love to dress them. Wow. And she's a stylist. Wow. So her passion is visual, fashion, style, Audrey Hepburn. How do they put that together? Grace Kelly, right. look at that, that, that material on the dress where I look at a scene and say, oh, my God, did you see the way she looked at him? I want to recreate that. Did you see how she delivered that line? So I'm approaching as an actress. She's approaching it as a, a, as a wardrobe um, and, and costume designer. Wow. So I think self-esteem certainly helps when you know who you are and what you love. Wow. Uh, getting a chance to do it certainly helps. Um, uh, and and also, I mean, being lucky to have to be valued. Hmm. That's, you know, I had that from my parents uh, and from my community by what I did and, 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 you know, being a Girl Scout and giving back to the community. Um, and if you don't have that, if you haven't had the luxury of having two supportive parents, then you need to find it with somebody else, whether it's a priest, whether it's, uh, your eighth grade science teacher who sees you for who you are and celebrates that. There's always one, whether it's a bus driver that made you laugh and they, they out of everybody can always zone in and pick you out because they like what you bring. They think you're funny. Um, you know, you've got to kind of seek out those relationships and feel full by them. Hmm. I, 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 that, this is really a, a cool insight um, and discernment, which is, um, what do you like? You know, where, where are you drawn to? What are you looking at and saying, oh, I would do it this way? Or that is a really nice indicator. I mean, it's a yeah. good indicator that this is where my heart sings. Exactly. And then moving in that direction, um, I actually... Um, I do some singing myself. It's a, it's a sound vibration that I do, healing work uh, with singing. And, you know, the other day I thought, well, shoot, if I, had, if I had really pursued this when I was much, much younger, you know, I sang in choirs and stuff, just mm -hmm. much like you did. I, I grew up in Philadelphia in the, around the same era that you did, and uh, I really identified with a lot of that. It was fun. And some of the candy, yeah, right, <laughs> that you described in there, that was it for me. Um, and I, I was reflecting recently. You know, I could have done that if I had really applied myself then. And I'm, then I was, you know, I'm, I'm watching The Voice and something and said, I could have done that. And then I look at it and go, 
no, that's not what I what lights me up. It's not what lights me up. I'm, yeah, mm-hmm. I can do it. I enjoy it. I do it a little bit as part of my profession. But what lights me up is is this and the healing work and and mm-hmm. you know coaching business women and so this is cool you 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 um what lights you up whenever you're in your world whenever you're watching TV when you're interacting with another soul what piece of that is lighting you up that's a hint that's right. a hint that your purpose pur- purpose and that's a hint um, of your value and it's a hint uh, that you're worth it and it's a hint um, and then noticing when people notice you and not dismissing it. You know, allowing it. Right. This, this is good stuff. <laughs> this is good stuff. Uh, you know, I I I love the um. You talked about you talk about parenting, and that's it's pretty obvious in the book. Um, that this is a wonderful treatise on parenting. Um, uh, you have four kids. I know that they're they're really very very special for you. It's very obvious that you're a great mom, but you and your mom differ. Um, differ a little bit on the parenting. So what, what is your kind of um, uh, advice on parenting to, to the parents and grandparents on, on the call? Well, I, I think that my mother obviously came from a different age where mm-hmm. people didn't discuss everything and some things were not supposed, supposed to be discussed, so they were mysteries, uh, which I think sets up some kind of a, um, a divide mm-hmm. uh, in terms of being emotional and being completely there for your child. Um, I remember one time I was watching the news and the, the, the word rape came up and I said, mom, what is rape? And she said, well, when a man attacks a woman, which is so vague and not specific. <laughs> right. uh, so again, I felt ill-informed and when I finally found what the actual definition of the word is, I was upset because I was old enough to understand the concept of that. So with my children, I use every opportunity as a, as a teachable moment. Uh, I, I talk about one story where I was cooking in the kitchen and uh, the news was on and the topic was, if you think the pot that your kid's smoking is the same thing that you smoke, well, you're wrong because hydroponic <laughs> marijuana is 10 times as potent or whatever. So I remember cooking and my, my older girls were in the thing, uh, were in the in the kitchen. And I said, um, you know, did you guys know that I smoke pot? And my kids were, <gasps> <laughs> and my oldest daughter said, what did your friends think? And I said, oh, that's a really interesting approach. I would say, how did it feel? What did it feel like? And she says, what did your friends think? So she's worried about, you know, right. what her friends think. Is she a loser? Is she a burnout? Is she a, you know, uh, you know, a, a, a stoner? Where I would think, what did it do to your mind? How did it make you feel? How did right. it make you change? Right. Which is from our generation. Which sure. is you know, a completely different uh, approach to a a story. And I, uh, so we got a chance to talk about marijuana. And, you know, would you do it? Have you ever done it? What do you think of the people that have done it? And that was an opportunity to have a teachable moment. I don't think my uh, my mother would have said, oh, well, I hope you (laughs) never do marijuana because, you know, you'll be seen as whatever and label, label, label. Where I, I try to open it up as a discussion, whether it's, you know, Oral sex, uh, whether it's, um, uh, you know, um, abuse, um, you know, Mm. human trafficking. Mm. There's always something that you can discuss and they can learn from, from a dialogue. And that's Mm. average. And and I think that you also share, you share with your children your mistakes. Mm Mm-hmm. 
uh, which is which is a little different than your than your you know I I think it is generational and it's interesting when you talk about um, the marijuana and your your capacity to be to de de delineate between what your cha your children care about versus what you cared about versus what your mom cared about right exactly. we're all caring about different things and that's really cool I mean that's a neat parenting trick because if you can um, listen to your kids like you just did hear what they're caring about just like what we talked about the distinction of your daughter cares about the fashion not mm -hmm. the scene. Um, right. Your daughter cared about what they thought of her, which is my, a little more generational moment. Um, yeah. And and I think that's a really nice thing to, to be able to do with your kids. And now people that are listening can bring a little conscious awareness to this. You know, uh, all this discussion does is bring a little conscious awareness to a new way of maybe being. So listening to your kids and where they're coming from and using that as the next mode of conversation is really a cool thing. You ought to do this for a living. <laughs> uh, you might have a few things on your plate, though, just a few things. But, but, and my biggest <laughs> tip for adolescent, dealing with adolescents, please, please. Was there, the, which was different than my mother, mm -hmm. my mother took everything personally. So if I slammed the door, that meant that I was slamming the door on her, and therefore it got escalated to, you know, blown off the roof. Whereas I realized since I've gone through it, I'm on my fourth time now, <laughs> that again, the child's brain can't help themselves a lot of the times because their hormones are raging going up and down and they can't sometimes they act like a 13 year old some things like a 10 year old you know throwing a tantrum but we are the safe place for them to fall to mm -hmm. react mm -hmm. to that we're always there for them so you can't take it personally so if they scream and yell certainly set your boundaries and say i'm not going to accept that when you've calmed down you come up and we'll talk this as adults but if they scream at you, you can't jump in and scream at them because then you're going down to their adolescent level, and that doesn't solve anything. Right. So what happens if you're if you're triggered? I mean, you know, I've I've watched some parents that um, that screaming moment, that moment of of uh, of, uh, of affront, you know, attack almost, um, takes them out, and because it triggers something within within right. them. So what do you do in that moment as a parent when this teenager is completely out of out of line? And yet, you know that they're doing all they can. How do you manage yourself around that? Uh, well, you've got to um, you've got to be firm. I, I don't believe in in hitting my kids. Uh, um, so certainly, I mean, I think I was grounded probably every year of my, my <laughs> adolescent life for some reason, for some outburst, or something that I wasn't supposed to do. And I don't think it was really effective, and especially nowadays. You know, if you take the fun away from the kids, that is their life, that might be more effective so right. they can get their recordings and their, their lifeline back. Um, but you also have to show them how it makes you feel and um, that it's not cool. Right. And uh, if you continue to do that, you're not going to have the wonderful life that you're having. You're not going to be able to talk to your friends. Uh, you're not going to be able to do what you want to do. So it's up to you, but you can decide to continue acting like this. Or you can stop, take a breath, and then tell me when you're ready to, to act like a, you know, a manageable human being again. And they usually can collect themselves without being, in, you know, forced to change their behavior. Right, right. Wow, really, really good insights. Um, let's quickly talk about men and marriage. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, you know, um, I love your quote here. Um, I think it's so insightful. I've discovered that many women marry men for their potential. And pray that they live up to their expectations. 
whereas men marry women hoping they'll never change and have issues when they do transform and grow. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, and, and, and one other thing that you talk about, which is, um, uh, it's, it's with Rick Fox, men tell you the truth. You just have to be willing to listen, mm-hmm. which is incredible. So, um, if you're, so, you know, marriages don't last these days. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm curious about what your thoughts are on why, why marriages don't seem to last as much as, as they did, you know, from the 50s and 60s. Your parents' marriage lasted. It did. It did. Uh, and, but that was also a generation that people mm-hmm. got married young and yep. built their lives together. <coughs> right. A lot of people are so concerned about building their lives apart and creating their own kingdom that by the time that they have all their wealth amassed and try to find somebody who fits everything that they've done for the past 10, 15 <laughs> years, it's tough because yeah. they've got there the way that they like to live. Right. And it's hard to uh, bring somebody into your mix when you haven't gotten a chance to grow together and make decisions together and right. really become a team. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, even though I, the first time I got married I was 23 and my husband at the time was uh, um, 36, so that was a 13-year difference, but I looked to him because he was established and he could help me find my way. Right. And um, that was uh, very purposeful in our in our marriage. We, we were a great team in terms of producing, obviously, three wonderful kids, but also a, a career where he helped manage me and he helped fulfill, uh, fulfill my dreams. Um, but the marriage suffered um, mm. because we had so much going on. And people people change mm-hmm. and uh and in and the on the the other side um you know i i got pregnant with sasha uh we got married within three weeks uh by the time that i uh, got pregnant we only knew each other for about a year um and uh we had the makings of of a, a strong um uh what do they call it? power couple because mm-hmm. i was working in my career and he was you know, playing for the Lakers. Uh, but again, he was on the road. I was working, raising the four kids as well, uh, along with um, he had a son from another relationship. So we'd have five kids together every summer. Um, so those moments were fantastic. But maintaining that sense of family um, was nearly impossible because everybody was so spread out. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's tough with everyone's career demands um, and with the age that we live in, there, you have to have a lot of flexibility. And the bottom line is you have to have p- two people that want to be married. <laughs> There's so many options for everybody out there that a lot right. of people don't want to be married right. and don't want to be settled, you know, settled down or be tied down. And, uh, but I know that, you know, I, I, that's what I enjoy. I enjoy having a partner. I enjoy sharing my life with someone. Um, and I know that that's, that's possible. And I just need, uh, uh, the partner with the same outlook. Yeah. So um, finding that partner is um, uh, is is interesting. So you said in your book that that you actually people think that you're dating all the time and out with men all the time because you're gorgeous and successful and and accomplished and and uh, you know you're fun and interesting. And yet that's not necessarily what's happening. Well, it, what I mean, I have been divorced for uh, nine years and. Raising your kids is the priority. So yeah. you know, I'm at the sidelines of the volleyball in the g- volleyball games in the gym. I'm out on the you know, the soccer uh, sidelines uh, on the grass. Um, 
you know, I'm, I'm sitting in the, the audience when they have their dance recitals and piano recitals. So the kids' schedule takes up a lot of time along with my schedule. But I've been lucky enough to find uh, someone recently who is fantastic and has the same um, mentality that I have and the same likes and dislikes. Mm. And uh, it's, been, it's been wonderful. And uh, I'm, I'm very happy. You know, it took me almost 49, 50 years, but it's worth it. <laughs> It's never too late, is it? Save the it's best for last, late. right? <laughs> Third time's a charm. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, you know, we're we're at the top of the hour here, and um, I, I just wondered if you had any final thoughts. I'm going to talk a little bit about the offer that people can, and um, we'll talk about your charity, but any final thoughts before we finish up and, and uh, get to that piece? Uh, well, I just um, had reference that I, I tap into a lot of different sources mm -hmm. and um, I think it's always great to be open-minded and to be able to learn from uh, a lot of different sources uh, whether it's listening to a lecture on how the male brain works and why it's different than the female yeah. brain yeah. it gives you insight like sure. oh okay well that's how they that's how men relax by doing things together like throwing a football mm -hmm. that calms them as a women who like to talk mm -hmm. and that's what releases our emotions right so every chance you can and i love to listen to talk radio because you get a chance to listen to authors and sure and 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 different healers and stuff talk about there are different approaches but i mean i have i have i've gotten great insight and revelations and and, and support from you know, psychics and clairvoyants and, and healers and nutritionists mm. uh, and, um, and, and people that are all uh, in the light, positive and informative. And I always say there's always something you can learn every day. Mm, wonderful, wonderful. Well, thank you. That that's a good thing for our audience because they're in. <laughs> they're, yes. they're they're in and on board with that concept of uh, of um, evolving and, and learning and and there's no end to it, is there? I mean, I, uh, I I I continue to read every day and listen to new new ideas and new concepts and and every day I'm like, wow, I had never thought like like what you said about grief to gratitude. I mean, that that mm -hmm. one really struck home with me. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and you can always learn from from someone else's point of view. Right. And exactly. that's the, that's the capacity, I think, for peace on this planet is when we can, you know, stop protecting and start listening. But <laughs> the, the, the fear makes you protect. And that's what the, if, if we could just get rid of 80 uh, percent of the fear. Yes. It yeah. would help uh, in all senses yep. with, Some, I mean, with uh, absolutely. other countries and foreign policy and just helping to solve conflict. Yep, yep. Putting ourselves in, in their shoes, I think, is, a, is um, it, you know, I, I've recently been, been talking about how, um, uh, what if they had some a really good reason for what they're doing? What if there's a really good, in their mindset, in their cultural, in the way that they were raised, in the patterns that were created out of trauma, what if they had a really good reason for what they're doing? And what if we just listened for that reason and, and, and came from a place of compassion instead of judgment? Exactly. We might, we might be able to do something different on this planet. Exactly. So let's talk a little bit about my offer. Um, we actually have put together a special offer. Um, it's actually my offer. Um, and uh, it's called Your Healing Soul Threads. Um, discovering your soul, uh, healing patterns for abundance, health, and freedom. And 
um, it's got a lot of really cool stuff here. Some stuff that um, is, is very much in alignment what we, with what we've been talking about. One is about healing your soul patterns. Um, ready to heal kind of the inner, inner song of your mastery. Tapping into that heart-centered mastery and tapping in and seeing what your life patterns are. Um, finding out, you know, why you made some of the decisions you made and what you can do about them now. And maybe tugging at the strings of those threads and shifting the pattern into a new state of freedom. We have the Awakening Healing Chants. These are a set of chants that I did um, that are um, intended to really awaken the spirit, the, spi the mind, and the body. Um, and they're just little ditties, and they come with a, um, a rockin' version. There's the dance version, and then there's the ethereal version of the same okay. dance. So if you're in ready to shake your booty, then there's the version there for you. And if you're ready to just feel the etherical aspect of your being, that's there for you too. And then I have a couple of body dialogues. One about really moving into your heart center and playing on a planet of the heart. And it's, uh, it's kind of what we just talked about, Vanessa, where we can, um, we take you on a journey here to a planet where this is all real, where a bunch of heart-centered people are there. There's politics still, but there's a different kind of politics. It's, it's an honoring kind of politics. Um, this sets up a, a vibrational resonance in your being that you can start living from a platform. Uh, we also play with uh, releasing the pain body, which is when, when trauma happens to us, there's usually a little residual kind of uh, aspect of pain that, that lives there. And we actually have a conversation with that pain body, and we see that it was there protecting us all along, and that it's an ally. Um, and then we have activating your divine body blueprint. This is for the health piece of it. Um, and it goes back to the moment of birth when we were perfect and just reminds our cellular structure of that perfection. Now to access my special offer, simply it's go right to www.tmpodcast.com forward slash Jen, J-E-N-N. Again, that's HWTM, which stands for Healing with the Masters podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T.com forward slash J-E-N-N. And if you purchase from this, we're, um, we're going to be using this as a fundraiser. And it's a fundraiser for Vanessa's um, uh, charity, which is uh, Ubuntu, Ubuntu Africa. Um, it's dedicated mm -hmm. to improving the health and well-being of HIV-positive children in underserved communities in South Africa. They offer unique and effective models of care that enables HIV-positive children to live long and healthy lives. So do you want to tell us a little bit more about this, um, this uh, charity first? Uh, well, I went to, uh, brought my kids to uh, uh, South Africa in 2009 for a safari, uh, and uh, one of my daughter's friends um, was down there her junior year abroad, fell in love with South Africa, graduated college, and ended up, uh, was so enamored with the people, but also saw the struggle of these townships that she ended up starting her own um, um, clinic in, in uh, Kaya Leche, which is one of the biggest townships uh, in, in South Africa. And on New Year's Day, we had a beautiful, we got our shoes on and went into town and uh, met with a guy that brought us through uh, the, the ramshackle houses. Mm. There were some that were burnt down. There were some live wires. There was broken mm. glass. Uh, but we visited some of the families that she was working with. We visited the children wow. that uh, she had helped. And uh, and this is a girl from Westchester County. Blonde hair, blue eyes, <laughs> privileged, could have done anything else, and has been living uh, in South Africa for five years now and wow. making an extraordinary difference. So she's an incredible woman, Whitney Johnson. 
but Ubuntu Africa that she started is um, an extraordinary organization, and it's really helping kids get medicine and uh, and fight that are born with AIDS. Uh, wonderful. So we're giving 50% um, uh, of everything that's sold here today off of that special offer to Ubuntu. And uh, we are delighted to assist them. And also a portion will be going to the foundation that is uh, was created in my sister's honor. It's called the Abby Jane Bucktow Foundation. And uh, we also support um, the Unstoppable Foundation, which is Cynthia Kersey's organization that um, also supports um, education in Africa, in mm -hmm. Kenya. Uh, so um, the monies here will be going towards that these great causes. And... Uh, and know that um, when we offer philanthropic organizations here, we often get comments on why aren't you helping people in the U.S. And my answer is, you know, just like what we talked about earlier, where is your heart being called? This is where our heart, my heart is being called and your heart is being called. Um, and it, um, it's where we are um, really... Um, seeing and our heart sings when the when we are called to this so i can feel your passion with your with your daughter's friend starting this beautiful thing and it's really making a difference and the unstoppable foundation and my sister's foundation is also making a difference as well so so buy purchase change your life through the offer and then watch those monies change other lives and simply go to hwtm podcast.com forward slash Jen J E N N again that's HWTM which stands for healing with the masters podcast podcast.com forward slash J E N N uh, there of course the the whole notion of tithing is also here which is when you tithe it comes back to you pressed down overflowing and uh, that is definitely a principle that is going to be happening here. So you can watch your life change, not only through the uh, special offer, but knowing that your monies are going somewhere and that they will come back to you pressed down, overflowing. Um, I just want a special thank you, Vanessa. What a, what a wonderful conversation. What an amazing soul you are. And I'm honored to um, have the, the opportunity to chat with you and to share your, your life and your insights with our audience. Thank you so much for joining us here. Thank you so much. And remember, if you'd like to join us for any of our live shows, just register absolutely free at hwtmpodcast.com. That's H-W-T-M as in Healing with the Masters, podcast.com. Come and join us. Just register for the current live season.